This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For information or to volunteer, please go to LibriVox.org. Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Preface. A preface to the first edition of Jane Eyre being unnecessary, I gave none. This second edition demands a few words, both of acknowledgment and miscellaneous remark. My thanks are due in three quarters to the public for the indulgent ear it has inclined to a plain tale with few pretensions, to the press for the fair field its honest suffrage has opened to an obscure aspirant, to my publishers for the aid their tact, their energy, their practical sense, and frank liberality have afforded to an unknown and unrecommended author. The press and the public are but vague personifications for me, and I must thank them in vague terms. But my publishers are definite, so they are certain generous critics who have encouraged me, as only large-hearted and high-minded men know how to encourage a struggling stranger. To them, i.e. to my publishers and select reviewers, I say cordially, gentlemen, I thank you from my heart. Having thus acknowledged what I owe to those who have aided and approved me, I turn to another class, a small one so far as I know, but not, therefore, to be overlooked. I mean the timorous or carping few who doubt the tendency of such books as Jane Eyre, in whose eyes whatever is unusual is wrong, whose ears detect in each protest against bigotry, that parent of crime, an insult to piety, that regent of God on earth. I would suggest to such doubters certain obvious distinctions. I would remind them of simple truths. Conventionality is not morality." self-righteousness is not religion to attack the first is not to assail the last to pluck the mask from the face of the pharisee is not to lift an impious hand to the crown of thorns these things and deeds are diametrically opposed they are as distinct as in vice from virtue men too often confound them they should not be confounded appearance should not be mistaken for truth Narrow human doctrines that only tend to elate and magnify a few should not be substituted for the world-redeeming creed of Christ. There is, I repeat it, a difference, and it is good, and not a bad action, to mark broadly and clearly the line of separation between them. The world may not like to see these ideas dissevered, for it has been accustomed to blend them, finding it convenient to make external show pass for sterling worth to let whitewashed walls vouch for clean shrines. It may hate him who declares to scrutinize and expose, to raise the gilding and show base material under it, to penetrate the sepulchre and reveal carnal relics, but, hate as it will, it is indebted to him. Ahab did not like Micaiah, because he never prophesied good concerning him but evil. Probably he liked the sufferant son, Chaniah, better, yet Ahab, have escaped a bloody death had he but stopped his ears to flattery and opened them to faithful counsel. There is a man in our own days whose words are not framed to tickle delicate ears, who, to my thinking, comes before the great ones of society, much as the son of Imlah came before the throned kings of Judah and Israel, and who speaks as deep, with a powerful, a prophet-like, a vital, as mean and dauntless and as daring. Is a satirist of Vanity Fair admired in high places? I cannot tell, but I think of some of those amongst whom he hurls the Greek fire of his sarcasm, and over whom he flashes the leaven brand of his denunciation, 
were to take his warnings in time, they or their seed might yet escape a fatal Rimloth Gilead. Why have I alluded to this man? I have alluded to him, reader, because I think I see in him an intellect profounder and more unique than his contemporaries have yet recognized, because I regard him as the first social regenerator of the day, as the very master of that working corps who would restore to rectitude the warped system of things, because I think no commentator on his writings has yet found the comparison that suits him, the terms which rightly characterize his talent. They say he is like Fielding. They talk of his wit, humor, comic powers. He resembles Fielding as an eagle does a vulture. Fielding could stoop on a carrion, but Thackeray never does. His wit is bright, his humor is attractive, but both bear the same relation to his serious genius that mere lambent sheet lightning playing under the edge of the summer cloud does to the electric death spark hid in its womb. Finally, I have alluded to Mr. Thackeray because to him, if he will accept the tribute of a total stranger, I have dedicated this second edition of Jane Eyre. Courier Bell, December twenty-first, eighteen forty-seven. Note to the third edition: I avail myself of this opportunity, which a third edition of Jane Eyre affords me, of again addressing a word to the public to exclaim that my claim to the title of novelist. Rests on this one work alone. If, therefore, the authorship of other works of fiction has been attributed to me, an honor is awarded where it is not merited, and consequently denied where it is justly due. This explanation will serve to rectify mistakes which have already been made and to prevent future errors. Courier Bell, April thirteenth, eighteen forty eight.